Hello. Hey there. Welcome to the Making Margin podcast. My name is Nick Foy. I'm the founder of Greenway Wealth Advisors. We are a financial planning firm based in the south end of Charlotte, North Carolina. Last episode we recorded on Zoom. Uh, we're distance, socially distancing podcasting. Is that a thing? I think it is. Yeah, I guess so. Um, the recording we thought didn't work out terribly well. I think way too many people are on Zoom. We hold most of our meetings on Google Meet anyway. And we transitioned over to Google Meet to just test it out after the Zoom recording. And it worked much better. The, I think the video quality is better. The audio quality is better. I think everything is just better about it. And we're grateful to have the opportunity to use it. They have opened up Google Meet recording to everybody who has a G Suite. Maybe even for the free platform now, too. I don't know. Not just the enterprise folks. Anyway, we're glad you're here. Uh, the upper left-hand side of my screen is Jeff Eminger. Jeff is working from his closet today. Hello, Jeff. Hey. <laughs> the best recording environment and his, off, his home office is directly adjacent to his son Forrest's room who is sleeping currently. Yes. I don't want to be in trouble, so I'm trying not to wake him up. Thank closet you. Closet recording for me. Excellent. We're glad you're there. The bottom of my screen is Allie Crouch. Hi. What room are you in right now? I'm in the playroom. In the playroom, but your, your boy isn't there to play. No, he would That's, be very loud. That would be very distracting. Yeah. Uh, the upper right-hand side of my screen is Drew Harris, comma CFA, comma CFP. Howdy. Um, I'm glad you guys are here. What office are you, or sorry, what room are you in, Drew? I'm in my home office. Drew's in the home office in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, it's good to see everybody. We wanted to have a little conversation that's a little bit out of the ordinary for us in that it is a conversation uh, that is sort of predictive in nature, wouldn't you say? Uh, looking forward, saying, all right, based on everything that's happened economically, obviously there's a huge health cost, social cost, everything else to what has gone on in the world over the last few months. Um, I want to get kind of a personal understanding of how we are changing our habits, potentially changing the things we spend money on, and then economically, uh, what sort of impact we foresee. None of this is, in, we say it in our show notes, none of this is investment advice insofar as we have no idea and our guess is as good as yours. Um, but I think it's interesting conversation to sort of think about um, as we consider what's really important to us and what we want to prioritize in life. Um, what are those things that we're currently missing out on? What are those things that we see ourselves spending less money on, spending more money on? Um, we are... Uh, in a fortunate camp in our industry and in that, you know, there are a lot of small businesses, a lot of businesses in general where revenue has gone to zero, um, you know, businesses that have had to shut their doors, been forced to shut their doors for an extended period of time. And that just doesn't happen, hasn't happened in our industry. Um, and we're, we're, we're fortunate about that, that we're able to continue to provide a service and get paid for it. But not everybody is that fortunate. So that's sort of a high level of what we're going to talk about today. Um, and let's see. Let's first, uh, let's talk about kind of those most obvious public things, cruise ships, movie theaters, sporting events, all these things that are large scale. A lot of people go to or interact with each other in a close proximity. Allie, you have season tickets to the Panthers. Yes. Mm -hmm. The Carolina Panthers. How many games would you say you attend per year? You only keep a couple and you sell most of them at this point. Yeah. We go to one or two depending on the year. So, where, where would you gauge your comfort level currently with attending a Panthers game with 74,000 other people? Uh, depends on when you ask me. Right now I'm 
really over the quarantine, so I would absolutely <laughs> go. <laughs> I'd probably be more scared. Yeah. It's gonna happen though. You don't think it's gonna happen? At least not the preseason. Maybe like November, but I don't know. Jeff and Drew? I'm not would you go to a stadium full of screaming fans. I don't think I would. I heard some interesting um a report on NPR yesterday where they were talking about this office building in South Korea where only people on one floor passed and around on one side of one floor. It was like one side. I saw the map of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was because it was a call center. So they were all talking a lot and um, they talked about the impact on, on sports teams, like loudly yelling and talking. And th- there's just a lot more opportunity for disease transmission. I, I would not be comfortable doing that at this point. Drew? You know, I I don't think that the opportunity is going to be to go uh, versus, you know, wanting to go. And, uh, you know, with almost any of these things, it, I'm not terribly concerned personally, but then I think about, you know, kind of a family members and older family members and being kind of caring for them. So uh, that's where my concern would come. Uh, but personally, I just don't think I'm going to have an opportunity to go. Yeah, I think that's highly likely. I, I think, yeah, I, I agree with both of you, with everybody, basically. Um, I, I'm a bit of a germaphobe anyway. Like when I sit around a bunch of other humans in close proximity, um, I, my sister took like this microbiology class in college. And I think it was a microbiology class. And uh, she communicated some ideas out of it. This was obviously a long time ago now. She's like, when you go to movie theater, don't put your head on the headrest because the headrest is full of grossness. Every time I get on a plane, I'm the guy who takes the little ceiling fan and puts it right in front of my nose so that it blows all the, like if someone's sitting next to me and they sneeze, at least it'll blow out. And I'm, I'm only breathing in the nicely filtered airplane air and not just the air that's unfiltered. And that's always like, that's just kind of always time. Like my level of concern hasn't increased that much. Cause I've been thinking about these things always, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden people are like, Oh, you got to wash your hands and you got to blah, blah, blah and, and sanitize all the surfaces. I'm like, I'm way ahead of you there. I've been doing it, you know, <laughs> been living life like that. So. That's funny, but it, it has brought a lot of attention to just things that should be fairly obvious that, that aren't so obvious in people's actions. That's right. I mean, every time, you know, you go into a public restroom and somebody walks out without washing their hands, which I'm sure, Allie, never happens in the women's restroom. Yeah. Okay. It is. I get so disgusted and I almost, I, I don't ever say something, but I kind of think I want to say something. But you don't know. They're that, putting hand sanitizer on when they leave the bathroom. The guys that I see walking out of the bathroom at the stadium are definitely not putting hand sanitizer on. Yeah, bowling alleys, I think of as the most disgusting place. Picking up the bowling ball, everybody else's touch, rolling it down the lane, turning around and picking up some French fries is like so gross to me. You've never been in an elementary school classroom, apparently. I, that is true. That is more disgusting. I try and limit my time in there. Although there's cool data about that, that the reason kids aren't getting this, they're like, well, why aren't kids getting the COVID? Is they pass around so many coronaviruses already because they're so gross with all their sicknesses. Um that all of a sudden it's true they're filthy little petri dishes they are Allie, uh i'm gonna ask you this one too about movie theaters because you used to have the movie pass which doesn't exist anymore. r.i.p movie pass wherein you could spend like five dollars a month and see unlimited movies mm-hmm. it's a great business model it was a great business model what uh 
Would you go to a movie theater today? Yeah. So, Jeff, I mean, would you go to? I'm not gonna go wait in. I wouldn't go to like Star Wars opening day where it's packed full, but I'd go to an empty movie theater and bring a Lysol wipe and wash my hands after and not touch things and watch a movie. So you think you'll go back to the movies? Probably. Well, if yeah. they're open, I'm not. I'm not convinced there will be movie theaters after this. Jeff, would you go to the movies? I will preface by saying I'm not a big movie goer anyway. Um, but no, I think the overarching theme for me is we just don't know enough about the effects of this particular coronavirus and how it affects people. And I think I'm just I'm going to lean towards the conservative end of everything. That's okay. Um, but the movie theaters in general, you know, no great desire to go back anytime soon. So what happens to the, let's say, like, have you watched any of the first run movies that have been showing up on Amazon and Disney Plus? Yeah, $20. $20. How much does it cost to go to the movies with the family? Uh, $14. Per person. Well, no, it's like $7 per person. And there's two $5 on Tuesdays. That's So now bring the kids. And if you have two kids, how much does it cost to go to the movies? Well, I only have one kid and he's too little to go to the movies. So it's $14. <laughs> Drew Harris, how, would a $20 at-home movie, would you rather do that or would you rather spend $40 and go to the theater? Is the experience worth it? I just want to know where Allie's going to pay $5. That's AMC theaters are yeah, AMC, the Tuesday. matinee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're right. It would, it would be a pretty penny. And then I need popcorn and Cokes and all that. So I'm, I'm pretty cheap, man. So. so you, if the movie exists at home on Amazon, it costs you $20 to buy a first-run movie. Or taking the family out with the popcorn and the drinks and everything else is going to cost $60. Is the experience worth that extra $40 to you? Absolutely not. Okay. That's kind of, I think that's kind of, I think the whole distribution model for movies is not very good. And I think we're proving that. And I think it's a dying business. I would agree. I would say there's very few movies that, that you experience something so much better by seeing it on the big screen. And there are yeah. those movies that are better on a big screen, but I think it's good. It's, way fewer than are shown in movie theaters. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. And we've got a pretty cool sound system in our house and it has a big bass with always like a you know? And so uh, when that comes on, it's very exciting. The kids were watching Cars yesterday, which is not a new movie, obviously, but it's on Disney Plus. Man, it sounds good. And I'm like, why would we want to go to the theaters? They can get up whenever they want to. They can get a snack, whatever. And the movie continues to play and they can pause it and everything else. I think it's better. But then again, I would rather watch the football game at home too, instead of going to the stadium because there's so many filthy people. <laughs> That's not the only reason. So speaking of like football games, as we're circling back there is that there were several articles uh, last year about how attendance had dropped down for a lot of college football games. I don't know yeah. if it's uh, the case for NFL, but I do know that it was the case for um, uh, college. And so people are just preferring to watch on TV. It's such a good experience to watch on TV. All right. Offices. Let's talk about that. A lot of people are working from home now. I would not want to be in the commercial real estate industry right now. Um, how long does it take before? And we're in South End, our offices. We've got a pretty wide open space. So it's not like we're crammed on top of each other. But in a lot of offices, that's not the case. 
South End, there's a lot of office construction going on right now. Can you, how would you feel if you were under construction on your new building? Lending Trees putting their office in up the street. Lowe's is putting their office in up the street. There's, Lowe's supposed to have 3,000 people in that building next year or maybe the year after that. I don't know when it's done. Um, if you're Lowe's right now, you feeling like this is a good decision because by then it's going to be fine, a bad decision. Are you, are you a little bit disappointed in this investment that you made? How do you feel about it? That's so tricky because the Lowe's building specifically is full of tech workers yeah. who I feel like do pretty well remotely anyhow. Uh, gosh, I think I feel not so great about it. I mean, there's definitely value to, to in-person interaction, but I think, I think we're learning that people are pretty resilient and can figure out how to get the job done from home too. Ali Drew? I think that commercial real estate is going to get, you know, kind of knocked on the chin, um, you know, in the short term. Uh, but I think that there's going to be somewhat of a rubber band uh, effect. And so, you know, at this point and early on, and, and maybe for a year or two years, it's kind of going, look, we can do this all from home. Um, and, you know, we don't need this big footprint and we don't need these extra costs. But I think there's also going to eventually be kind of a, a pullback of people going, I want to have that kind of delineation between, you know, work and home. I miss seeing people. And so, you know, imagine this, that the businesses that have, you know, kind of led in the past of kind of going, you can work from home. You can set your own schedule. It's now like, you can come and work here. And that becomes appealing. People kind of like pivot back. That's what I foresee in the future. I hope there's a compromise of like, Hey, we, we know and trust that you can now do your job from home. So maybe it's a work in the office three days a week and work from home two days a week. And I selfishly hope that for traffic because traffic has been glorious the past two months. So I read an article today. This is one of these unintended consequence things. Um, in the Bay Area, uh, traffic accidents are down 25% or traffic deaths are down 25% or whatever. And so there's been fewer um organ transplants, like the number of organ transplants is down dramatically. So these people that are waiting on a list to get a transplant, they figured it would take so long, it's taking a lot longer because traffic's down, which is kind of like one of these like way deeper level, you know, second, second level consequences where you've substituted one person's death for another. And then there's another, <laughs> that is like way more than I want to deal with, you know? So Simon Property Group, their stock year to date. So they own uh, South Park Mall. Concord they Mill. own North Lake Mall, they own Concord Mills Mall, they own a bunch of malls all over the country. Year to date, their stock is down 65.9%, currently trading at $58.55 a share. Um, and this is, you know, as of, it's 227 on May 19th. Um, who goes back to the mall? How, how long is it going to take for you to go back to the mall after this? Were you mall shoppers anyway, Drew? I don't imagine you spend a lot of time at South Park Mall. Is that true? What are you saying about my shirt? Okay. <laughs> uh, don't don't no. don't be offended. That, that actually, it probably is a very like very nice like a you know it's like a forty five dollar Nordstrom t shirt. Uh, this is uh, Fruit of Limb. Um, oh. So no, I was not a mall shopper. Oops, excuse me. Um, and I don't plan on becoming one. Okay, Allie. Uh, we go once every few months when we need something. Like I don't just go to the mall to go to the mall. It's hey, my kid has grown out of all of his clothes. Um, and I'll still go back. Because it's, I mean, I don't like online shopping. I like to be able to, for clothes, I like to be able to actually see and make sure it's going to fit him or me or whatever. And it's returning things is more of a hassle to me than going and getting it in person. 
So I will go back. I don't know when I wouldn't go back. I would not go back today to the mall if it was at full capacity. Okay. Jeff mall shopper, not a mall shopper. Shocker. Okay. So <laughs> no changes to report. How long does it take? Uh, getting back Drew to your point, uh, I think it was you said about uh, offices and I think malls, I think of this kind of the same way is like, I think that once people are comfortable and from a public health perspective, we're comfortable with people going back to the office. I think people are going to be ready to go back. Like people say, Hey, working from home is fine. But having that separation, I think is really healthy. I, I don't know if it's healthy or not, but I think people enjoy it and be able to get out of the house for a while and not feel like they're doing home stuff and work stuff in the same place. And I think they're at least having the option to go back. I think a lot of people are going to take advantage of it, especially once their kids are back in school and they don't necessarily like have a, deep-seated need to, to stay working at home um yeah um i think i told you guys this but i overheard some guys talking that were mountain bikers out at the whitewater center talking about uh the elevators at the duke energy tower you think about like the biggest elevator that i know of is the one at the Publix in south end where you can fit like 100 people on there but of course nobody's putting 100 people on there right now but in order to get everybody up to the duke energy with the pro appropriate social distancing in place you need um, you can only have four people on that elevator, um, which would mean it's going to take an hour just, you know, the line out the door of all the people just waiting to go up the elevator. So like realistically, how quickly, or even if we decide, yeah, we have whatever measures that we're going to keep in place and people can start going back to the office, it's going to be at a lower capacity because companies don't want their employees just standing out there for an hour. doesn't make any sense. Rather have you at home. So, but then there are also companies that started, allowing people to work from home and they didn't give them a desk. Uh, Wells Fargo did this a couple of years ago. They left people they said, it's within some of the divisions within Wells Fargo. Okay, you guys can work from home. Go ahead. You're not going to have a desk here. And people did. And then another manager came in and wanted to put his thumbprint on it or her thumbprint or whatever it was. No, you got to come back to the office. Uh, I feel like we feel like you're more productive here. Um, so there are for sure companies that have done that where they feel like productivity is better at the office than it is when people are remote. And maybe that's because their systems aren't good enough to make sure that, you know, that they have the technology in place to make it happen. But I think that'll be interesting to see too. I think we'll see a little bit of like seesawing back and forth. If you think about open office, open concept office space, you know, that was a big thing. And then as time went on, there were more and more studies that came out that said, well, people aren't as productive or as happy. And so, you know, I think it'll be the same thing here where we see more working from home and then as we learn more, you know, data and research will come out that says, well, maybe people are better off at the office and we'll see a little bit of a rebound effect. Yeah. Anybody have any thoughts on economically what this means, um, where we're headed, foresee what's, what's, what's out in front of us? I see big changes. Um, you know, one is kind of thinking about supply chains. And that they're going to brought, try to be shortened um, and you're going to try to nationalize a lot of um, what is the, the supply chain. And some of that had already been happening, um, you know, with manufacturing, uh, but I think it's going to speed up and then with specific industries. So I think that's going to be a big change. Yeah. Um, that's what I actually went to school for was supply chain management. And it's been interesting when I was in school, all that all that we talked about and learned was about lean processes and uh, just-in-time manufacturing. And this really highlights the 
the downside of those uh, because if you don't have big stockpiles, then eventually, you know, it doesn't take long before you don't have anything coming in to make, to make your product to sell. So it'll be interesting to see. I have no prediction because who knows, this is such a big unprecedented event. It's so hard to say what's going to happen. Yeah. I think on that too, like demand, uh, if you think about food supply chains and there was a restaurant supply chain and there was the retail supply chain and there wasn't really communication. And so the restaurant, there was no overlap there necessarily. So the restaurant supply chain starts to break down because there's no demand there and there's excess demand that's shifted over to grocery. And so how do you make a supply chain that has the ability to switch back and forth a little? You'd, you'd think that we would have had a better way to do that by now. Um, but it's not like they had designed that. You know, there wasn't, it just wasn't designed for that. And so on the one side, the restaurant supply chain has food that's rotting and they're throwing stuff out. And on the other side, the grocery supply chain is totally broken. Um, and uh, so, you know, you, you have uh, you know, way too much in one place and not nearly enough in the other as far as the capacity goes. I think in some countries, you'll see more government intervention and things like that. Um, I wouldn't foresee that for the U.S. just because of the nature of our government and the people that live here. Um, but I think in some smaller countries, especially you'll see more government intervention and things like that to prevent issues like that one. Um, I talked about grocery. Are there any uh, long-term changes that you foresee yourself making as far as the way you approach your grocery shopping? Um, we tried uh, the Amazon fresh, you know, for the first time, just like last week, um, which, you know, we hadn't considered doing before. So, you know, I could see us bringing something like that into the mix of, you know, our normal rotation, probably not all the time, but you know, it, that that's a change. And, you know, if we just kind of do it on a few dollars and if a lot of people do it. Yeah. Jeff, you guys. Yeah. We've tried, um, like the whole foods delivery, but it's, the few times that we've logged in to try to do it, it's impossible to get food actually delivered. So we just kind of gave that up. So we're, we're grocery shopping as usual. We, we typically only go once a week anyhow. And I think that's a pretty good way to do it. So I don't foresee any big changes on, on that. I guess I'm the only one then. What are you doing different? Well, I, I've always, I like going to the grocery store uh, and I like, comparison shopping and being out and but it takes a long time like natalie my wife will put together the list she does a great job of like meal planning and then i'm the procurement guy so i'll go procure the foods um but and i hadn't found an online experience that was as cost effective or even as time of like you said as timely as doing it on my own i think amazon fresh is great i mean they do it within like they're to our house within a couple hours they um it's free if you spend over 35 dollars and the selection's good. It's some of the whole food stuff and some just random, just other stuff that Amazon has, a lot of their products, a lot of them are their own. The prices are really competitive. And I'm like, so I've been, I'll get our list and I'll do as many things as I can off of that's available at Amazon Fresh from there. And it's shortened my grocery trips by you know, more than half because then there's just a few things left for me to get that maybe weren't, weren't available on there at the time or whatever. So I don't know if that's going to continue or not, but it's a possibility. I can't make it seem too easy though, because I have like no utility to my wife if it's not doing the grocery shopping, you know, like I, I get the cars inspected. My daughter totally just like blew the secret on this. There's this inspection place in South End 
it was like a 99% pass rate and it takes, you know, five minutes to get them to inspect the car. And I have to keep convincing my wife that it's really complicated that they make you go and look under the hood and you've got to know all the car parts and things. And they were, they were riding bikes by it the other day. And my daughter is six. She says, mom, that's where daddy takes the car to get inspected. And it doesn't take that long. I'm like, what? What, what good am I now? She could just trade me for another guy. She doesn't need a guy at all. We're totally interchangeable. She doesn't need a guy. And if she wanted to just like, just switch me out for some other guy and it's all the same. So anyway, that's my grocery story. Um, I think one of the interesting things for me in thinking through this, and I've had conversations with client, clients about it too, is that I think the capital markets are really resilient and we're going to see winners and losers come out of this that we have no potential to foresee right now. Um, and so, you know, there are some of the obvious ones where you're like, oh, yeah, we think the companies that do more stuff online and technology companies, they'll probably benefit. And maybe they will. And maybe they'll get replaced by another technology company that's doing it way better. You know, I mean, we've seen um, we talked about Zoom at the outset. Zoom stock right now is trading for I'll tell you exactly Zoom video communications, which, by the way, people were confusing them with another Zoom technologies out of China. That was the wrong one <laughs> I had to shut that down. Um, Zoom year to date, hold on, I'm bringing it up right now, is up 151%. It's trading $173 a share right now. It's not that hard for somebody to come and take market share from them. Like, I wouldn't imagine anyway. And, uh, um, you know, we thought MySpace was going to have it. Do you even remember MySpace, Allie? You ever heard yeah. of it? I had a MySpace. You did? For like a year, yeah. I never had a MySpace, um, but like that's a great example. If you see this technology, oh yeah, this is going to blow up, and then somebody replaces them, and somebody else replaces them. So that may or may not necessarily be the answer that people continue with uh, over the next however long, and maybe somebody comes and replaces them with what they do. Um, but I do think that that'll be an interesting thing to see. All right, there are going to be some winners, and there are going to be winners that we have no idea who they are right now. Um, and five and 10 years from now, you say, wow, that event created this company and created their ability to thrive. Um, and somebody had a great idea and was able to execute on it. And by trying and, you know, from an investment perspective, we always talk about how we don't make investment decisions based on what our view of the future is, except to say, well, as long as the world continues to exist, we own those stocks and that's great. Um, but necessarily trying to pick and choose what those winners and losers are going to be, I think is going to be an interesting thing to look back on. You know, um, if you assume that the world continues to exist and that the capital markets continue to function, um, then all of a sudden there's going to be some winners that come out of this that we have no, no idea necessarily who they are. So any thoughts on that? I think you're right on. I mean, I think there's going to be some innovation that comes out of this. Um, so, you know, I mean, building on that of the winners, I mean, there's going to be something, uh, new items, new products, new processes, um, that, you know, we hadn't conceived of, um, that, you know, you're seeing ingenuity, um, you know, happen because of this and, you know, there's stuff that we haven't seen yet and that should be exciting. I mean, they're, um, you know, back to kind of, you know, supply chains or manufacturing of what's being done, you know, with robotics, um, you know, what's being done in terms of telecommunication, being able to work remotely, um, and what, um, you know, productivity, you know, can come out of this and, you know, there's a disruption in the short term with people, but, you know, humanity seems to kind of come up with a new idea and then new jobs. Um, 
So that there's kind of this underlying hope, uh, you know, amidst the change. Do you see yourself uh, doing more telemedicine? I know this is a thing now, fewer people going to the doctor for things as an example. Drew shakes his head. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think telemedicine is a, is a great thing. And um, I mean, there's so many things that you would have to go to the doctor for now that doesn't really require that. And the better our, you know, video conferencing abilities become, then the more efficient that is. And um, it's less costly all around. So I think it's, I think, uh, yeah. it's definitely here to stay. Yeah, I think you could have huge, and it was already starting to sort of make a dent a little bit. You know, we started doing it for whatever random things came up. We'd say, hey, I, you already know what's wrong with you. Like, I remember I had pink eye once. i tell you guys this story. My, no. my kid had pink eye. You know, he had to go to the doctor and get a drop prescription. You're like, we know he's got pink eye. So, then, of course, I got pink eye. So, I did the the telehealth thing, and I just, like, took my eye and put it right up next to the camera on the computer. And they're like, oh, yeah, you do. Put in the prescription. $50 for the meat, you know, so much easier than actually having to show up at the doctor to get a prescription for something that you know is, you already know the answer, you know. I could have prescribed it myself. If I'd have known what medicine it was, I don't know what you do. So That is a really terrifying thought. <laughs> Hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Just start taking it. Just pop it. When in doubt, just take that. Yeah. <laughs> no, we um, and I mean, exactly. I mean, you know, you've got a, you know, sinus infection. And so, you know, here, take this. Um, what would be interesting is that there's only certain things that you can use it for. I mean, there's a large um, list, but there's a lot of things that you can't because probably they need to do just kind of a simple test, you know, and what if, you know, what if they yeah. like to be able to, you know, get some technology where it's only costing a few dollars that you, if you have this, um, and that can be tested. And Novant has something like that, or I got a notification or something that Novant has some device that you can buy for, it's like a couple hundred dollars or something. And it does some of those tests at home and sends it to the doctor. So it's like, it works oh. with the, yeah. I don't know. I didn't look into it cause I'm not gonna buy it, but. They've actually started, I mean, they have at home like COVID floors now where people that are recovering and are fine and aren't high risk or anything. Um, they've got those test kits, Novant and Atrium both do where they're, they're like, you know, doing blood pressure and heart rate and whatever else they need, it'll send it off to the doctor automatically so that they, they don't need those people in the hospital. It just reduces everybody's risk to keep them out of the hospital. So I think more of that, I think, is like promising or a couple of ways. Number one, because it cuts costs really dramatically um, from a medical perspective. Uh, and number two, it's better to recover at home if you can anyway from stuff like that. So, guys, thanks for this conversation. Again, um, you know, it's, it's more for, for us, more just like fodder for conversation, thinking through what's happening, what changes we expect. Um, we're probably wrong. We'll put this in the, what do they call those things that they bury? The, uh, time capsule. The time capsule. I almost said time machine. We'll put it in the time capsule. We'll bury it and we'll bring it back up in 10 years and we'll see if Drew has aged at all. Think of us time. Yeah, you bet. Um, all right. Thanks for listening to the Making Margin podcast. We'll see you next time.